everybody, this is Mark Vines. Welcome to the Mark Vines Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything conservative, liberty, patriotism, and really, just frankly, the American way and how you ought to live your life. That's just, that's how I look at it. And I, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, today we have a special guest, Gina Ciarcia. Now, you guys re- might remember that Gina was on this program last year when she was running for the House of Delegates. And a uh, really good race. In fact, uh, Gina can tell us more about it. But I believe she got the most votes that a Republican has received in that district in quite some time. Uh, unfortunately, did not get that seat. However... However, she took some time off and then turned around and said, you know what, I'm going to go and run for the House of Representatives uh, in the United States Congress. And man, oh man, do we need some uh, more uh, constitutional conservatives in the House of Representatives. And uh, she's first going to be going through the primary here in June. And uh, we're in the middle of April right now. So that's going to be coming up. That's hurdle number one. Then, of course, the midterms are later on in November. And we're looking forward to uh, talking with Gina about the decision to run for this office and what her plans are uh, moving forward, because this is an exciting time. It really is exciting in a good a bad way. You guys, we're just watching our country fall apart in front of us. And I do think that the election of Joe Biden uh, was an emotional decision that people made. I don't think that they thought that through. And uh, the proof of that is that I think if the election were held today, of course, Donald Trump would be reelected. I don't think there's any doubt about that, uh, that most people think that we were much better off as a nation under Donald Trump. And it's just kind of a frightening time, really. But I really admire the people that step up to the plate and put their hat in the ring and go after these offices because uh, it's a lot of work. And Gina's going to tell us all about that. And a lot of work. And, you know, folks, these candidates really need your support. So this is the time to get involved. But uh, enough from me. Want to hear from Gina and her thoughts. So, Gina, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, so you're running for the House of Representatives. Yes, I am. Uh, you know, never thought I would do something like this, but, you know, I tell folks when they ask me, why am I running? You know, my husband is a retired Marine, 24 years, the majority of that time spent as a special operator, which really means a lot of deployments, a lot of time away from home and time away from our family. Um, We have five children. They range in ages from 20 years of age to seven. And really it is my kids' future. Um, I'm a teacher also, so my students' future and my husband's service that prompted me to run. I can't just sit back and watch our country fall apart and not do anything at all um, to help save it. So I decided to run for the U.S. House of Representatives. And this is District 7, correct? Yes, it is. Okay, tell us a little bit about the district and sort of the makeup and really sort of your approach as to how you're getting your message out in this district. So Virginia recently went through redistricting at the end of last year, and a new 7th Congressional District was formed, totally different than the old 7th, and honestly, totally different than what people expected it to be. There were several proposed maps that came out prior to the finalization of the redistricting, and what we got in the end was none of those previously proposed maps. So it really surprised folks, but it's a great district. It's a toss-up really between a Republican and a Democrat, and particularly with the um, political winds blowing the direction that they are, a Republican has a good chance of winning this district. So geographically, it includes the eastern half of Prince William County, all of Stafford County, King George, Fredericksburg, Caroline, Spotsylvania, Culpeper, Orange, Madison, and Greene counties, and a little tiny sliver of Albemarle County. So geographically, it's quite large. Um, The majority of the voting population resides in that eastern half of Prince William County, where I live, and Stafford County. So we put those two areas together, and you've got half of the voting population there. So you have a mixture of your D.C. uh, exurbs 
and rural counties such as Madison and Green, where there's quite a bit of agriculture. Any idea how in the general election for president, what what, what was the makeup, do you know, uh, as far as the presidential vote? Yeah, so estimations are that Trump would have lost this district um, by about 10 points. However, Youngkin won it by about five. So I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting because I think there was a in that interim period, you know, of of uh, the year of 2021. um, Like you said, there were some people who regretted their votes for Biden. And so when you when you take things that. I guess highlights, maybe you could say, of the Biden administration in 21, such as the withdrawal from Afghanistan mm-hmm. and how devastating that was for people um, and shocking in so many ways. And and then you take things like the economy and the price of energy. Um, people had a change of heart, a real change of heart. Oh, and it goes beyond those issues. Uh, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's inflation now. Uh the defunding of police, the rise of crime, the border, uh, the border. Um, inter- mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, uh, in the State of the Union address, for those of you that uh, have watched it, and you know, it's amazing. I, I I point what I'm about to say out to a lot of people. <laughs> I, I've yet to actually run into a person that actually watched the State of the Union address. And so I have to point out to people what was actually in it, because I think I was one of five people in the country that actually watched the State of the Union address. But he said that something needs to be done done about the opiate epidemic. And I haven't heard that talked about in quite some time. Now, I find that interesting because the president mentioned the opiate epidemic needs to be dealt with, but yet we have open borders and they have mm-hmm. absolutely no intent of closing the borders because anytime you have, well, you have the, the governor of uh, Texas trying to take matters into his own hands and the Biden administration's going after him, trying to get him to mm-hmm. stop uh, uh, doing anything about the borders. And, and of course, the mask mandate was just lifted uh, for airlines this week, as a matter of fact, and the Biden administration's attacking him. Uh, attacking uh, the airlines for that, and they're they're trying to overturn mm-hmm. the the ruling. So we're absolutely going in the wrong direction. And when you go out, Gina, and you talk to the people in your your district, the the voters, uh, how are they feeling about this? What's sort of the temperature out there? Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the State of the Union address, and I did watch it briefly. <laughs> I <laughs> maybe turned it on for about 15 minutes. Um, I know it's it tough, seemed, isn't it? <laughs> it's very tough because it seemed like he was talking about a different country than the one I live in. Right. And so out of just disgust and frustration, I turned it off. Um, there's, you know, constant um, inconsistencies with this administration. For instance, he did bring up the opioid epidemic, which was surprising because it is a serious problem. But like you said, there the border is not being closed. It's wide open. Right. Where do you and, think all this fentanyl is um, coming from? Exactly. And it's pouring across that southern border and it is killing American citizens. In fact, it is the greatest chemical attack that Americans have ever been yeah. subjected to. And we are doing absolutely nothing about it, which to me is unconscionable. Um, When will we stand up to the CCP and the drug cartels? We're not at all. And in fact, we are enabling them, um, which is mind boggling. But whenever I speak with um, voters, there's a lot of frustration, particularly amongst those who tend to vote Republican or lean right in their politics. They see the perilous situation of our country. And they're, they're really um, ex- deeply concerned. For instance, I think one uh, gentleman put it quite well, you know, and he's a grandfather. And he said, what I see going on in my country makes me angry and afraid for my grandkids. Yeah. And I think that sums up the feeling of a lot of people. They're angry about the things that they see. For instance, again, the inconsistency with the Biden administration. Um, 
you are going to appeal the decision to remove the the mask mandates from public transportation, yet you're going to let Title 42 expire. Mm -hmm. Logically, it doesn't line up, right? And they do these kinds of things all the time. Um, And it makes people angry, but it also makes them extremely fearful about what the future brings and what kind of America their kids or grandkids are going to inherit. I feel exactly what that gentleman said. And like I said earlier, that's why I decided to run for Congress. I'm afraid for what kind of, of, of America my children are going to have to live in when they're, say, my age. And I'm also angry that the years and years of military service that my husband and our family have given to this country honestly seems to be, in many ways, for naught. Um, Or we have an administration that just, well, for instance, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was a clear indication that he did not care about how that affected folks who have spent 20 years fighting in Afghanistan. My husband was one of the very first members of the military to enter Afghanistan after September 11th. And he was on one of the very last flights out. So we have spent our entire young adult lives with Afghanistan being a constant theme, if you will, uh, or a constant part of our lives. And to just flippantly withdraw in the way that we did in in a way that was so dishonorable, so careless, reckless. um, And there's so many words that you could, adjectives you could use to describe that withdrawal. It was really a kick in the teeth from our own government. Yep. Well, and a lot of the people that are out there, and I know the the frustration, and I feel that, by the way. I'm someone, I have spent my entire adult life working for the government in one form or another. And it's funny that you mentioned that it just seems like, you know, 20 years just kind of thrown away. I know know a lot of it, because I talk to a lot of veterans and and active duty military people as well. And that's the feeling. It's like, I I devoted my whole life for what? For this. Mm -hmm. And, and there's that frustration, and I feel that at times, personally. And so the question is what to do about it, because a lot of the people that you talk to, and maybe your husband and the voters that you're talking to, they feel this sense of powerlessness. But there is one thing that you can do. At, at this point, there's really only one thing that you can do, and that is vote. You, mm-hmm. you, we do have that. We, and it's uh, astounding to me how many people in this country do not vote, even in the in the general election, which is the the most popular election. So many people do not vote. And if you're a veteran or if you're active duty, there is no reason for you not to vote. You need to vote, and you need to not vote for people that do this to you. Because uh, if you're a veteran out there and you're listening to me my voice right now, you need to know there are people that care. And Gina here is one of the people that cares about veterans and cares about you and cares about our foreign policy and what's going on overseas. You need to get people like this in office. So things like our withdrawal, that embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan does not happen again. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what we have, yeah. folks, and, and you need to organize and you need to give support to the candidates that are supporting your viewpoints because there are people going into the political realm that do share your views, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there are more and more of us who are stepping up to the plate. Um, absolutely, more people need to vote. It is shocking what a low percentage of uh, Americans actually go to the polls and vote, particularly in a, uh, even in a general, in the primary, it's even fewer. Mm -hmm. And if you're not voting in a primary, what you're doing is you are allowing establishment party people to choose your candidate for you. And then you get to the general and you show up and you feel like, well, I have to choose between the lesser of two evils. I hear that all the time. Well, there was, prior to that, another election where you could have had a say in who your candidate was, and in, which would create a situation possibly in the general election 
where you would be choosing not the lesser of the two evils, but this is the greater, better person. And I'm happy and excited to vote for them. That's so a really good point. Extremely active. That's a good point. Yeah. And folks, for those of you that don't follow politics, you know, I, and Gina and I follow politics quite closely and most people don't and I and nobody expects you to okay but you raise a very very good point here by the time you get to the general election the party will have put forward whoever the party is going to put forward okay and at the presidential you know the general election at the presidential level it's a binary choice you're going to go with in the last election let's just say Donald Trump Joe Biden that's it it's a binary choice boom this person or that person it's in the primaries that you get to decide who that person is going to be. And that's you all. That's the voters that get to decide that. Okay, so if you didn't want Donald Trump or if you didn't want Joe Biden, well, then you need to pick from one of the other candidates and and, and help be part of the process to put them into the general election. So you can't sit back and complain about the candidate that's, oh my gosh, this is the party person or they're too weak or they're too strong. Whatever your, whatever your dissatisfaction is with them, you have your chance in the primary. And in Gina's case, this primary is happening in uh, June, which is what, about six weeks away, uh, give or take? June. Yeah, June 21st. So we're just over, just under two months away. Right. Right. So tell us a bit about what is it you're, you're facing in the primaries? What does that look like? And tell us, because this is battle number one. You're battling it out with the other Republican candidates to get the nomination to run for the uh, the 7th seventh, seventh District in the, in the House of Representatives. So this is the first hurdle. And then, um, God willing, you get nominated. Then, then the next hurdle is to get to the, the uh, election in November. But what's it looking like now in this particular part of the battle? Yeah, it's interesting being in a primary. Um, I would say my biggest challenge is the party. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the establishment. So the establishment uh, wing of the party, they like to control. So they have their candidate picked out. And that candidate obviously gets, you know, they're going to get more money. They're going to get more exposure. Um, They've got the establishment people behind them. And so that is pretty challenging when you are not the party person. Um, We have a lot of grassroots support, um, but we don't have the big money um, nor the big connections, right? So, you have to rely upon your your grassroots to really come out for you. And it's interesting. We've had a few debates as uh, candidates, and there are six of us. So there's quite a few, three women and three men. And, you know, I I get a little scrappy. I will bring up, if, if one of those candidates is a sitting elected official, and I feel like they have voted wrongly on certain things, I bring it up and I make them answer for it. Um, It's interesting how folks say, we want a fighter, we want a fighter, but not everybody really means that. And it's, it's really interesting how, particularly when you're making the establishment candidate answer for her bad votes, um, it, it separates the the folks from establishment folks and then your more America first, true conservative, I'm really fed up with the system folks, right? And, and they end up being in two camps. Um, so it's a, it's a curious phenomenon to me, actually. And you realize that people don't, always mean what they say. Mm-hmm. They say they want a fighter, but really what they want is someone they can control. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing that play out in Congress right now. I mean, after all, when you look at some of the big issues, corruption in the Intel community, corruption in the FBI, Hunter Biden, the Durham investigation, all, all of the different things that are true scandals, things that really, if, if the, stories got the light of day the way that they should, i.e. the Hunter Biden laptop, uh, these would be some of the largest scandals that we've ever faced in our nation. But yet no one in Congress is talking about these issues. 
but they are a big, big deal. And it seems like mm-hmm. nobody even wants you raising those issues. You know, if the tide was turned, if the tables were turned, and the, just imagine, if you will, take the laptop, for example. If that was one of Donald Trump's children, they would never, they being the Democrats, would never stop talking about this. But yet we we don't talk about it at all. No. That's well, astounding because, to me. Yeah, the, the establishment folks aren't interested in us talking about it at all. They um which which makes you wonder what are they hiding, right? They the Republicans so they love to point at the Democrats as well, they're they're the crazy ones with their crazy, radical left-wing agenda. They're driving this country over the cliff. True. But there are Republicans who are sitting in the passenger seat, letting them do it and not stopping them, not being the brick wall and saying, nope, the buck stops here. Um, And so there's a lot of go along to get along. Don't rock the boat. And there is a lot of Americans and in the Republican Party or who vote Republican who are really fed up with that and have had enough of it. But then there's definitely plenty that are still okay with that. Um, why? It must be that they benefit from it in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting. And, and you don't see this part of politics until you get involved and get into it up close and personal, either as a candidate or as, you know, a really involved, dedicated volunteer or something like that. And and then you see that there's even a lot of, there's internal conflict within the Republican Party. Now, some folks think that Donald Trump created that. And I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think he recognized it and was able to use it to propel himself into office because he was able to speak to a group within the Republican Party who really felt disenfranchised. And that would be your folks who you would say are true conservatives, America first kind of folks. Um, But there, there is this, this tug of war between the establishment and those people, uh, there is, a, and I, yeah, I think there are there really a third party is not really a viable option. No. I don't see. I, and what will happen eventually is, and time will tell. Within the Republican Party, it will either become one thing or the other, mm-hmm. right? Just like um, Lincoln's house divided speech. It's really, it's really great to think about how he points out something. He said you know, talking about that time in American history, you know, we will not stay divided. We will either become one thing or all another thing, but a house divided against itself cannot stand. So that's, that's a, something to keep in mind, whether it's talking about America at large or talking about the Republican party, you're either going to become one thing or another thing. And it will be interesting to see with both America and the Republican party, what that thing becomes. I agree with you. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people in my circles that really think that we need to move towards a third party. I do not agree with that. And the reason why I don't agree with that is it, being a person of history, which I know you are, you're a, a history teacher, and I'm uh, sort of an amateur historian, I guess, if you want to put it. But I, I do know uh, probably above average amount of, of history that these things have been tried over and over and over and they don't work. And and the people that generally move towards a, a third party tend to be conservatives. They they tend to be the, be people that if they voted would vote Republican. So we're the only ones that do that. And then what we do is we end up splitting the Republican Party and then uh, just enabling the Democrats to do more uh, damage. So it, it in theory, it's a great idea. In in practicality, when you look at American politics, it's not realistic. I believe, and I think you believe, what we need to do is shore up the party as it is and get people more like yourself involved in the process and work on the system that exists. Because as flawed as it is, it is still the most 
uh, viable option to getting conservative candidates into office. Then what we have to do is hold the candidates, once they're there, accountable for what they said they were going to do. And we have to suss out the people that are going into office just because they want power as opposed to people that want to actually reform and change the system. I Like you, I'm learning more and more about the system um, after I retired from the FBI and, and left the military and and it got to the point where I could openly speak in my opinion and become involved, legally become involved in the system. It was surprising to me how many people uh, enter politics for the, all of the wrong reasons. And one of the things that stood out to me with you is that I never got that sense. I always got the sense that you're doing it for all of the right reasons and all the more reason why we have to support someone like you. And I think that the party establishment is misreading the people because, uh, you know, maybe we all wanted to go, go along to get along there for a while. But I think uh, what happened during the Trump years and certainly what's gone on over the last year has proven, hey, folks, we cannot go, go along to get along with these people. These people, meaning the Democrats, are dangerous. Some of the stuff that we are go- what, that are happening right now, folks, this is not a minor philosophical difference of opinion. We have some dangerous things going on on planet Earth right now, and we we clearly have somebody in the White House, and we have a Congress that takes every time we have a fork in the road, right decision, bad decision, we're going with the bad decision. I mean, do you agree mm-hmm. with that? It's incredible, actually. Yes, you're right. Um, they they take the worst path, and uh, they do it of their own volition, which leads a lot of people to the conclusion. I can't tell you how many people I've I've spoken with who truly and genuinely feel that this administration is intentionally trying to destroy America. I believe that. I'm in that camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do too, because the the decisions that they make will only lead to that. So why would you make those decisions? The border is a great example. You know, to put it in perspective. A bad day during the Obama administration was 1,000 illegal aliens crossing our border. That was a bad day. We now have 8,000 every day coming across our border. And when Title 42 expires next month, that number is projected to be 18,000 per day. Oh, my goodness. I, and, and by the way, this is not a, these are not whole Mexican immigrants, folks. Those of you no. that think, oh, no. oh my gosh, what do you have problems with Mexicans coming across the border? That's folks. We don't know who is coming across this border, right. and that's the problem. And here, I'll give you an example of that. My husband went down to Fredericksburg um, to get a granite countertop, and the fellow who owned the business is originally from Turkey immigrated here years ago from Turkey. He was upset because one of his uh, extended family members is now in America. But what this family member did was he flew from Turkey to Mexico and then walked across the border. Mm. So it's, it's not just people from Central America who are coming across the border. They're, those are people from all over the world who are coming. And they're not just um, disadvantaged women and children who are fleeing social unrest in their own countries. We're talking about MS-13 gang members, murderers, rapists, um, you know, people who are trafficking drugs, people who um, maybe Russia had gotten a hold of before when they helped you know, create a little caravan to go across the border, and they're actually Russian assets. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. uh, recently <laughs> there were 23 known suspected terrorists or KSTs that were picked up. And of course, the White House, Chen Saki, downplayed that and said, well, it was only 23. Uh, actually, I, I work in that world. I, oh, I mm-hmm. have I've spent my career in that field. That's a lot. Yes. That's a lot. Uh, as a reminder, for those that have forgotten, uh, on 9-11, that was 19 people, and, and we picked up 23. Now, that's the those are the folks that we know about. Well, what about the people mm-hmm. that we don't know about? We're going to pay a dear price for this, and yeah. this is uh, 
no, this is a fight. This is a fight for the survival of the country. And mm-hmm. uh, when things turn around, and then we're going to have to deal with the issue uh, when, once the, the tide is turned in the political world and and we have people that care about the country and, and are going to honor the Constitution and the nation's laws, then we're going to have to deal with, well, what do we do with all these people that came across the border and we don't know who they are or what their, their intentions are for being here? Um, this is This is really, really difficult a difficult situation Mm -hmm. that we're in and november can't get here fast enough because we need to change the tide but uh but but again before november uh hurdle number one is to get through the primaries and you know gina so what's sort of the strategy for you if if you will or the outlook over the next uh again about six weeks give or take uh this is going to be a big push uh, what are you concentrating on? What what do you have? What do you have lined up coming up? Yeah, so getting in front of voters as much as possible. Uh, I find that when you speak the truth, it really resonates with people. People are hungry to hear someone who's running for political office to just call a spade a spade, call it what it is, and and they find that extremely refreshing and they're grateful for it. So the challenge though is is to first of all uh, find out who those folks are who are most likely to vote in a Republican primary because not everybody will and get in front of them in some form or fashion, whether that's knocking on their door, whether that's making a phone call, whether it's sending them a mailer, um, there's just multiple avenues that you can use, um, digital ads, things of, like of that nature, to help get your name and your message to them, and then get them. Then the next challenge is to get them to actually show up and vote at the polling place. So, um, but just as much voter contact as possible is uh, is what we're doing, and and that is uh, and that's where the challenge lies, right? So. Everybody knows that that's what you need to do. Um, Those folks who are backed up by the establishment have a lot more money and resources in order to do that. Um, We're talking about my tens of thousands of dollars against their hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is, it's really, um, I guess shocking. Another thing that you see too, when you get up close and personal with politics is the role that money plays in politics. And um, usually not always, but usually the candidate with the most money wins. And that's because they're able to get their name out to more voters, to a broader audience. And uh, they have the resources to do that. And so you know, you just have to be, if you don't have as much money, then you have to be a little bit more creative, a little more frugal and um, use your resources more wisely to be able to compete with folks who have the extra cash that they you know, can throw around. So it's uh, it's challenging, but I really, you know, I think the the area where I shine is actually voter contact, as in one-on-one, person-to-person. Every day, I'm calling people in the district, and I'm I'm talking to folks, or I'm leaving voicemail messages. I follow up with emails. Um, almost, goodness, probably five nights out of every week, I'm out um, at some form of, you know, a GOP committee meeting or a Moms for Liberty meeting, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of organizations that, you know, lean conservative where, you know, we try to connect with those people. So we're definitely doing, we're definitely doing the work. Um, we've just started up our door, no- door knocking program, and we're going to be knocking thousands of doors over the next two months. So uh, we've got signage that we're putting out to help get the name out there. So it's a lot of work. Um but I really enjoy mostly talking to the voters and listening to them. I can't tell you how many people um, have told me, wow, I've never had a candidate for Congress call me before, (laughs) you know, and I ask, and I always ask them, 
what are some of the most, you know, important things to you right now at the federal level? And I, I almost always get the re- reply, well, just one. And, you know, I kind of laugh because there's so many issues right now. Um, take your pick, you know? Yeah. yeah. But there are a few that come up regularly and the Southern border is probably number one. And you wouldn't think it since we live here in Virginia, you know, you would think that that would be more of a concern for folks further down South, but it's a big concern for conservatives here in Virginia. They do not like having an open border. They do not like what they see down there. They're very upset about it. Well, they should be because again, we, we butt up against Washington DC and most of us realize that as we mentioned, there are people coming across the border, many of whom may be terrorists, you know, people that want to do us harm. Well, where do we live? What, what, do, what do you think the number one terrorist target on planet Earth is? Right here. It's in sure. our backyard. Mm-hmm. And so this should be a concern for everybody. And again, if you're listening to this, uh, you can have an opinion all day long, but your opinion isn't really it needs to be translated into action, and that action is voting. That action is supporting a candidate. That is uh, contributing to the candidate candidate uh, based upon your means, whatever you can contribute, and every little bit helps. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know Gina, because I've talked to a lot of candidates, a lot of candidates, and they every person I've talked to said the most distasteful part of running for an office, and the thing that they hate the most is the money part. But like mm-hmm. you mentioned. Money drives campaigns, and generally speaking, the person that has the most money has an upper hand in an election. So if if you're listening and you like Gina's message, please contribute to her campaign if, if you can. And how would they do that? How would people, how can they reach you and how can they contribute if they would like to? Mm-hmm. So our website is GinaCRCA.com. And I'm going to spell that out because the last name is tricky for most people. So it's G-I-N-A-C-I-A-R-C-I-A.com. So there on the website, you can see how I stand on the issues. You can read uh, my bio and, and read up on me and who I am as a, as a person, as a wife, as a mother, as a teacher. Um, and then there's also that donate button there on the website where just click that. And in two minutes flat, easy, secure, you can make a donation to our campaign. Another way to keep up with what we're doing on the campaign trail and you know where we're at and where we're going to be next is our Facebook page, which is Gina CRCA for Virginia. And there, you know, lots of pictures um, and it just helps, you know, see, oh, she has a fundraiser next week here in Prince William County or she's going to be at this event. Um, So that's how you can keep up with what we're doing and where we're going to be. So those are probably the two best ways to um, keep up with the campaign. And then, of course, if you want to contact me, you can uh, reach out through the Facebook page, you can message me. Um, our campaign phone number is 703-662-5689. And I will actually answer that phone and I will be on the other end of it. So um, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to stay in contact with our campaign in the 7th. What are the big events coming up for you? Uh, any debates, presentations, forums, things like that? So we just had a, a debate Wednesday night, and I believe that was our third debate. Um, this coming Saturday, we will be at the Montclair Library in Prince William County at 10.30 a.m. for It's a candidate forum, not really a debate, but just kind of a Q&A time, a get-to-know-your-candidate. There are two more actual formal debates, one in Stafford, May 1st, and then RPV is hosting one May 18th down in Fredericksburg. Um, And then here in Dumfries, where I live, we're actually having a fundraiser slash meet and greet on the 29th. I'm really excited about this event. Um, We have a guest speaker. Her name is Jennifer Bennett, and she's actually a survivor of the Navy Yard shooting back Mm. in 2013. So she was shot point blank with a shotgun and miraculously survived. 
And so she's written a book about her experience on the Navy Yard that day. And she is going to be our guest speaker, and she's going to share her story about how events unfolded for her that fateful day in September. And I'm really looking forward to hearing her firsthand account. I'm very grateful that she would spend the evening with us. So if you want to know more about that, the specifics of location and time, you'll find that on our Facebook page. And we are talking about putting together a forum as well, aren't we? Yes, we yeah. are. And I'm extremely excited about that. Um, so we're, you know, the drug epidemic that we have going on in our country is severe. And it's shocking to me that we don't talk about it. I remember back in the 80s, Nancy Reagan's Just Say No. And, you know, we we as a nation were coming together to to try and do what we could to stamp out the, uh, the, the crack epidemic, right? The people dying in crack houses in the inner cities and, and whatnot. And well, now the, the government will mail you a crack pipe. It's shocking. Oh, it's, I, 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 don't, I don't even have the words for it. Um, my, how things have changed, but we do have serious issues with drugs in our country. Um, prescription opioids, which then leads to, you know, street drugs like heroin, and we don't discuss it. So you're helping me put together mm -hmm. a panel, and we are going to have, um, once we nail down the, the day and the location for this, we're going to have a panel of just really a great group of folks that can speak to this issue from various angles whether yeah. it be law enforcement, whether it be someone who is a recovered addict, whether it's someone who has lost a family member to drugs. Um, and I'm really excited about actually, let's talk about this problem because we can't even begin to tackle it until we start talking about it Yeah, um, because it's so huge and pervasive. And so I'm really thrilled to have your help in getting these folks together and really talking about an issue that um, that affects our community. Yeah, and I'm excited about that some, too. And some way is affected. I, I'm yeah. with you, Gina. This is the the great sort of shadow secret, uh, which mm -hmm. is not so much a secret in the United States, and that is that we do have not only an opiate epidemic, but an addiction epidemic in the United States. Mm -hmm. And politically, we are moving in the wrong direction. Gina and I, uh, a few weeks ago, had a very long discussion about that, that we are moving in the absolute wrong direction when it comes to um, addiction treatment centers, uh, the legalization of marijuana, uh, how do we regulate doctors, uh, uh, the companies that make these these various drugs. It's a, it's a very complicated issue, and it kills more people. More people died from addiction um, over the last couple of years than died from COVID, but you would never know that because nobody ever talks about it. And I think that part of the reason is because the people that suffer from this, the families and the addicts themselves, are just conditioned, you know, because of the stigma to not talk about it. But yet it needs to be talked about. And this forum is going to address that issue. Uh, I will be there. And and for those of you that listen to this program, uh, that's the field I work in right now. Believe it, as much as we talk about politics, my actual field that I'm in these days is the addiction world. And I just spent the last year working at a treatment center and had a front row seat to the devastation that this issue has brought to the public. And we're going to do a forum on this because uh, I think the public needs to hear from people that have experienced this, whether it's addicts themselves, and there will be uh, at least two so far on uh, people who are in recovery from addiction, I should say, uh, on that panel, um, a family member of someone um, that has suffered from an opiate addiction. And uh, of course, Gina will be there to give her uh, two cents politically on that. And then we're uh, hoping, and this is the one person we're trying to nail down, is somebody that's in active law enforcement now to talk about how the addiction issue has devastated the law enforcement community and what we can do about it. Uh, it will be very educational. If you show up to that event, I can tell you this, you're going to get a perspective that you've likely not heard from uh, in the in the public arena. And and it was amazing to me that we mentioned the, the State of the Union address that Joe Biden threw this out. It was almost like a, if you go back and watch the State of the Union address, it was really kind of awkward how that whole issue was brought up. It was just, it was almost like a sentence or two uh, thrown into the middle of the speech with really no context or 
discussion about what's going to be dealt with. He he said that uh, uh, opi- we, we have an opiate epidemic in this country that needs to be addressed, and then he moved on to the next subject, which I found very mm-hmm. awkward. And I think that's because, A, he doesn't know what to do about it, or B, he's surrounded by people that really don't want to do anything about it. And that's going to be sort of the focal point of, of that forum. So you'll definitely want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I've, you know, had a couple of family members myself, um, cousins about my own age who have struggled with this. And it's been devastating, not yep. just for them personally, but for their own families. And um, it is something that we we really need to start discussing and we need to start problem solving. Yeah, and, you know something to doing, go a step further, Gina? That. I've not met a family. I've not met anyone that doesn't have somebody in their uh, realm that has not suffered from an addiction. I don't know anybody. This is actually an issue that it, it touches every single person that's out there. We all know somebody that struggles with this issue, but oddly, we never talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, close us out, Gina, and we are going to do this again. I'd like to have you on the program fairly regularly, particularly as we lead up to the primaries, to find out where you are and how you're doing and what it looks like. Can Would you be willing to do that? Sure, I would love to do that. That would be great. All right. Yeah. Any final words for, for the listeners? Yeah, I would just say, you know, um, if you're in the 7th District, If you're in any of those counties I mentioned um, earlier, please check me out. I would love to have your support, Um, whether that be just through a vote on June 21st, whether you want to get more involved with volunteering. Uh, There's so many jobs to do. Um, Donations, like you said, we have to have the money in order to print the flyers and and do all those things. Um, It takes an enormous team effort in order to get a candidate across the finish line. And I think for me, that's one of the most humbling things about running for office. I've had some, you know, some folks that have just really come around me and they have been so supportive and so helpful. Um, you, you just think, wow, I am incredibly incredibly grateful for you because you realize it in no way is a one-man show. And so if we if we want to turn around our country, because the ship is sinking, let's face it, she's going down. I don't think though that we're, uh, that we can't salvage our nation. I don't think that we've gone over the cliff and it's too late. You know, um, there is a chance that we can completely turn things around in America. I know we can, but we have to work together to do it. If we are waiting for, you know, a savior of sort, if we're waiting for Trump to come back into office and then everything will be okay, or this person to get elected, um, that's not the right approach. We as Americans have to take ownership of our country and we have to be the ones who sets set the ship aright. So we have to work together to do that. And um, there are some of us like me who are willing to, you know, be the candidate and hopefully be the elected official and go up there to Congress. Trust me, I'm going there with eyes wide open. I'm going into a pit of vipers. And it's not just <laughs> the Democrats who are the vipers, nope. right? It's, there's people in your own party. And, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy and I know that it's going to be tough, but I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go up there. I'm willing to take the hits, right. To be called the names, to be singled out to, you know, people say, well, you know, she's this ultra right winger kind of person, whatever. Um, I'm willing to take those hits for my constituents. Yeah. I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I, I tell you, I was I was talking to my wife just the other night about how people like you and and some others that uh, that are throwing themselves in, into the pit and willing to do the fight. And I, I, when you get up close and, and personal to politics and you see just how nasty it is, and like you said, it's not just the Democrats, it's people within our own party. And the fact that you're willing to go into the fight, 
you know, people sit on the sidelines and criticize all day long. But, you know, folks, you have to respect the fact that people like Gina are, they're, they're not just talking about it. They're doing it. And you can criticize all you want, but she's doing the fight. She's doing the dirty work, and you have to respect that. I met met a young man at this conference I was at this week. Uh, he's running as a Republican uh, for a seat on the um, city council in Washington D.C. Now, if you're not if you're in the rest of the country and you're not familiar with the the D.C. city council, <laughs> I, I looked at him and I patted him. He's a young That's guy. That's an he, uphill battle. Uh, he he's a young guy, and I looked at him and I said, "God bless you." I, I honestly, I absolutely respect that. Running as a Republican, and there there might be five Republicans in the entirety of Washington D.C., and mm-hmm. um, it's not even a guarantee that you'll get all five of those votes. But uh, <laughs> God bless you, because you know what? I I, I but I respect that. I respect that mm-hmm. the guy is is pursuing that and doing it because he's not just talking about it. And you have to respect that. And Gina, you have our absolute respect here on the Mark Vine show and looking forward to this campaign. And I I really just admire you and all the work that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is a ton of work, but you know what, what really drives me. And I think this is one thing that sets me apart from some of the other candidates. It's not political ambition. It's not that, Oh, I'm a politician and I'm looking to go up the next rung on the ladder. You know, um, it is my kids' future. And whenever I get, you know, kind of worn down or discouraged or, oh, wow, there's another event, you know, um, I think about my kids and I think about what I want for them and what can I do to help deliver it for them. And that's my motivation mm. and that pushes me on. So I, I think that's, um, you know, that's, that's more powerful, um, than, well, I just, I just want to, um, advance my political career, you know, and that's what some of my uh, fellow candidates they're looking to do mm-hmm. and they feel like they deserve it. Mm-hmm. They deserve it. I know I don't deserve it. And I am humbly asking the people of the seventh district, will you put your trust in me? Will you, will you trust me to go and represent you and to go advocate for the values that we hold. So yeah, very well said. Yeah. Well, Gina, thank you so much for coming on the program. And once again, folks, uh, this is Mark Vines, uh, the Mark Vines show, check us out on Facebook and Twitter, the dreaded Twitter. We'll see what's going to happen with Twitter here, parlor and rumble and all those different sites uh folks with that once again just thanks for joining us on the show and we are going to be talking with gina again and discussing the issues that are important to you important to the nation and really look forward to it folks because uh the fight is just beginning and this is going to be a very very interesting election season but first and foremost the primaries in june june 21st be there vote talk with you soon take care